Turn your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 23. How many know the Christian life is not lived from Sunday to Sunday? The Christian life is lived from moment to moment. And what I mean by that is I'm not just a Christian trying to live for God when I do a religious gathering on a Sunday or perhaps another day. The Lord wants me to walk with Him 24-7. And one of the best ways that I know to stay connected with God, how I many know we don't want to just come and have an encounter and then pull back, but we want to stay connected with God all our days. One of the best ways I know is that you take some daily time each day to open your Bible, spend some time with God, read a little bit of the Word, and pray a bit. Well, we've been reading in the book of Acts the last few weeks in our Bible reading, and I want to encourage you, if you don't have one of these Bible guides, get one after service. There'll be an usher standing at the back door, and uh, read a couple chapters a day with us in Old and New Testament, and I promise you, it will help you as you connect yourself to God. Now, Acts 23, we're going to look at the life of Paul. We're actually going to look at two scriptures, Acts 23, and then get you put your finger on Acts 27. Now, the same guy, Paul, but uh, in Acts 23, he'd been arrested in Jerusalem for preaching Christ. I mean, sometimes just the fact that I am a Christian, I am a Bible believer, I'm a conservative believer in the Scripture, and Christ is the exclusive means of salvation. How many know in some places that gets you in trouble just for saying that? Well, Paul experienced that. He's arrested in Jerusalem. And look at verse 11. The Bible says, The following night the Lord stood by him. Now, that's an eye catcher right there. How many know the Bible teaches us that Christ is where? He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Periodically, you'll see the Scriptures show Christ expressing Himself in a different way. The Bible says in Stephen's life, when Stephen was being stoned, what did he do when he had that vision? He looked up, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But in this case, something very unusual happens, is that Jesus was standing near Paul. Now, Paul was the one who was responsible for taking the gospel message, the truth of Christ, to what's called the Gentile world. That's any non-Jewish person. I mean, know the church started the outpouring of the Spirit in Jerusalem, and they took that message all over the Mediterranean world, into Africa and all throughout Europe. Well, Paul was the main guy behind that, and he was very key in the Lord's work. So he's a bit afraid, and the Lord's standing by, uh, beside him in this jail cell, and he says, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. Now, how I many know that's our primary mission in life, is testifying about Christ, telling people what Christ has done and, and who he is and what the Bible teaches? Well, he's done it in Jerusalem. Now, notice this next phrase. You must also testify in Rome. Now, Rome, that was the center of the world at that time. And that may seem like it's like a fact to you this morning, but it's the pivotal truth that I'm going to look at in this Scripture. Because as we look in this morning's message, if we move from that verse to chapter 27, verse 14, we now see Paul on a ship going to Rome. But we're going to see something incredible happens. Verse 14, they no sooner set out to sea than a gale-force wind, the infamous nor'easter, struck. So here they are on this wooden sailing vessel, and uh, it's literally the storm is about to destroy them. Now look at verse 15. They lost all control of the ship. They lost control of the ship. It was like a cork in a storm. Now this is what we're going to focus on this morning, the storms in life. This storm that Paul endured tried to stop him from God's purposes. But how many know God remained faithful? And he was faithful to Paul, and he'll be faithful to you and I when storms come in our lives. But look how bad it got. Verse 20, it had been many days since we'd seen the sun or the stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. Now, here's a guy who just a few days earlier, Jesus Christ stood beside him and said, I'm sending you to Rome, and now, bang, it seems like they're going to die. So how many know that's the power of a storm to stop your life, 
Now, I want you to show you a little film clip, and this is a storm off the coast of Iceland. And imagine if you were on this ship. Well, how would you like to be on that boat? <laughs> That's a modern vessel. It's made out of metal. It's engineered. But Paul was on a, a wooden ship. And there could have been possibly a couple hundred people on that ship with him. It's a large ship, but it's made out of wood. And how many know they've got some major problems? Well, I want you to see that storm. It was a real storm, but that storm is a picture. It's a metaphor. It's an example of things that happen in your life and mine that try to stop God's purposes from being fulfilled. Now, keep in mind, now, God had given him a promise that he's going to end up in Rome to preach the gospel, but the storm has every reason to make them believe that we're not going to make it to Rome. We're going to be stopped because of the violence of this storm. And can I tell you, you and I face storms in life that will try to stop us. It'll try to make us believe that God is, is not real, that God doesn't care, that God is, is, is really, if he was as strong as he says he is, this wouldn't be happening. Why am I in the mess I'm in? I'm telling you, a storm has the power to stop your life. Let me show you something that's been very dear to me. It's, a, it's a, something I got from my grandmother after she passed away. She lived one month shy of 100, and uh, there's this picture on the screen. You can see it. It was just a little ornament she put on her wall, but it's a picture of like a ship's steering wheel, and it's called My Pilot. It's a picture of what they perceived to be of Jesus himself. Now, don't you think about this? Here was a woman. She had lived in World War II, and she took her family across war-torn Europe. And somehow she had something about her life that was different than anyone that I knew growing up because she had walked with God through some of the greatest storms in life. She lost children. She had to leave her home. She had to leave her country of birth. She had to leave everything important to her. There would be times when they would literally, she said, we were coming across Europe. Uh, we had a horse and a wagon, and there were some times that we would just pray at night. Uh, didn't have anything to eat. Uh, food would somehow make its way to us. We would be, uh, we'd think about going into town to spend a night in the town, but we just felt impressed in our hearts not to go there, and the town would be bombed and destroyed in the middle of the night. Now, she experienced a storm that I have not yet walked through. I'll suggest to you, though, that you and I are well acquainted with the power of a storm and its potential to destroy our lives. And the downside is we ask the question, why is this happening, and get caught up in the feelings. I'm going to provoke you this morning to suggest to you it is better to choose to trust in God in the storm, to choose to keep my faith alive, not just allow myself to stare at my circumstances, but put my deliberate gaze on Christ himself. So let's talk about the storm this morning and, and, and what do we do as Christians when we face a storm? When we face some difficulty that has the potential to knock us out, what do we do? Now let me summarize. We're going to be in Acts chapter 27 this morning. We're going to look at about four, chapter, four paragraphs in the book of Acts and see what we can glean from this man in the storm. But let me kind of give you the story of Acts 27. As you know, Paul was in Jerusalem preaching the gospel. He's arrested. A riot broke out when he was preaching. The guards had to come, the Roman soldiers, and they put him in jail. And he knows these people want to kill him. I mean, that's the plot there. The politicians, the Jewish people, they want to arrest him. They want to kill him and get rid of Paul. But Paul is a Roman soldier, a Roman citizen, and he makes his appeal to Caesar, which literally means he took advantage of his citizenship, and he said, no, I'm not going to let you try me here. I want to go to Rome itself, and there Caesar will try my case. Well, this is where the story gets interesting, because this Roman centurion, his name is Julius, he's a soldier, and he oversaw up to 100 Roman soldiers. He was assigned the task of getting Paul to Rome.
And they get on this ship, and as we'll see this morning, Paul tells them, listen, guys, there's problems ahead of us. But Paul is a slave. He is a, he's a prisoner, and they ignore him. Well, they get out on this sea, and of course, as the text we read this morning, all hell breaks loose against them. They thought they were going to die. I mean, it got so bad, they didn't see how they were going to make it. But here's the thing I want you to know. God is faithful. I want you to know that you can depend on God, whatever storm you're facing in life. Paul showed us this. In the middle of this storm, the Bible says an angel appeared to him, and the angel told him, don't be afraid. God's going to get you to Rome. And it was that word of hope that God gave him that, that, that gave hope to all everyone on that ship. And it was like what was going to destroy everybody, it turned out to be the platform for Paul to preach the gospel of Christ. See, he, he started out as a prisoner, and God elevated him to a chaplain because of the, the, his, his ability to hear God and stand in the storm. So the storm that tried to destroy him actually turned out to be something to give him a platform to share his faith with people. So that's the story. Let me read you in John 16 because some of you may live under the illusion that if you're a Christian, you're not going to have problems in life. I wish that were true. How about it? But listen to what Jesus said, Acts 16, Jesus told us that storms or trouble would happen to all of us. And the reason is, is because we live in a world that carries the stain of sin. When you look at the horrible tragedy that just happened in Japan, and you say, well, how can God be good and allow all this? Let me tell you this quite simply. There's nothing like that in the Garden of Eden before sin and evil came into this world. Nothing. But since sin and evil came into this world, the influence of Satan and the power of darkness has influenced everything. If you jump ahead to the book of Revelation, you'll see in heaven there's no more dying, no more crying, no more sadness, no more pain. All those things are passed away. So when God is respected and honored as God in these two times before Genesis and after Revelation, you don't have this kind of calamity that we see in our world. But we live in a fallen world today, my friends, and it is just that simple. We live in a world that carries the stain of sin. And whether it's a tornado that rips across the Midwest, whether it's a violent act of murder, whether it's, you know, the tragedy in Japan, or today in Libya, as America is in her third war now, in case you didn't know that, we're fighting Libya now. Yesterday, we launched over 100 Tomahawk cruise missiles to Libya. All these things have a root in evil. See, this storm that's trying to destroy Paul, somehow we can trace it back that way. Well, Jesus told us in John 16, 33, now Jesus has just talked about his suffering and crucifixion. And he said, I've told you these things that in me you may have... Come on, say it with me. I'll preach shorter if you amen louder here, okay? In me you might have peace. Now, Jesus didn't say you'll have peace when the storm is over. That's pretty easy. When you've got money in your pocket and health and a job and everybody likes you, I mean, it's pretty easy to be in peace. But Jesus said, in me, you'll have peace. Jesus said, in me, I'm the eye of the hurricane. Winds are swirling all around you, but there's a calm in the middle of the storm. It is possible, friend. And let me say this to you today. When you face tragedies in life, when you face circumstances that are overwhelming, it is possible for you to have a peace that passes understanding. And that source of peace is not from Valium. That source of peace is not from meditation. That source of peace is not from watching movies until you... It's not from escaping. It's not from drugs. It's not from alcohol. The peace I'm talking about is a peace available to every one of us through Jesus Christ our Lord. But then he said, in this world, you'll have... Yeah, it's here. The Amplified tribulations, trials, distress, frustration. But take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Christ is literally saying to us, I have overcome, and if you will keep your faith focused on me, I'll help you overcome as well. 
Now listen, storms take on many, uh, many uh, attacks in our life. Storms uh, come to us in many forms. storm might attack your finances. A storm might attack your health. A storm might rise up in your family and, and threats of divorce are there. Uh, storms could fake persecution or lawsuits. All these things, they tend to make us worry. They tend to make us afraid. And, and, and the nature of this storm is that you reach a place where you're out of control. Or you can't fix the problem. You don't, have enough, you don't have enough limit on your credit card to financially take care of it. You don't have the money in the bank. The doctor does not know what to do. The wind is raging and the storm is blowing and it's out of your control. Well, let me say this. It's not out of God's control. And God does not have to stop the storm around you before he stops the storm in you. Because here's something I can absolutely guarantee you. Listen, you can worry and fret and fear and stew. Come on. And the devil has a heyday with you. But if you will press into God and draw near to God and not let go of him, he'll give you peace in the middle of your storm. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Now, let's begin in Acts 27. Look at verse 9. With this background of storms and its application of life, let me tell you something. Spiritual people often know more than professionals. Let me say it again. Spiritual people often know more than professionals. Listen to this passage. Verse 9, sailing had already become dangerous because it was after the fast. This means it's after the Jewish Day of Atonement. It's about uh, September, October. And Paul warned them, mind you, Paul is a spirit-filled man, just like you that are Christians that have yielded your life to God in His Spirit. Verse 10, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. And that didn't mean because he looked at weather.com on his phone. It does not mean because he Googled something on the Internet. He had a spiritual sense. Now, listen to me on this. He had a spiritual sense because he walked with God. And God gave him something more than a premonition, more than worry, more than anxiousness. But somehow God, by his Holy Spirit, was communicating. He says it's going to bring great loss to the ship and cargo. And he sent such uh, stormy weather, he said it could take our own lives as well. But verse 11, the centurion, who this Roman soldier seemed to have automatic authority on the ship, Instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and owner of the ship. So here's the deal. The professionals are telling them, the business owner, the ship owner, the professional sailor, they're all saying, oh, it's okay. We can, go, we can sail a little bit farther. After all, we're out to make money. This is what we do for a living. But Paul is saying, listen, you better listen to me. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, notice what it said, the majority decided to sail on. Can I tell you the majority will often be wrong? If you take a poll of what people think, if they're not spiritually minded people, if they're people of the world, if they think the way the world thinks, you may be listening to the wrong group of folks. And isn't it amazing today in America how many professionals change their mind? Coffee is bad, coffee is good. Butter is bad, margarine is good, margarine is bad, butter is good. You know, I mean, at some point, they're going to find that Coca-Cola is good for you. I don't know, how, but, but it, it's like experts in life. And what we do, sometimes we find ourselves just trusting the expert. Now, listen, thank God for people in the helping professions that are experts that offer us expert medical advice or, or legal advice or other things. But what I'm trying to tell you, there may be a time in your life where you don't need to listen to the voice of man. You need to listen to the voice of God. Now, that's the first big lesson I want you to see in this, is that, is that you can have a spiritual sense about the future. And let me say this to you, your, your, your best preparation for a crisis is your daily time with God. L let me say it again. Your best preparation for tomorrow's crisis is today's time with God. 
that you've taken some time. That's why it's so important why I push these Bible gods on you. Because I know you probably need what I do. I need a little extra ump. I need a little discipline. Something to cause me to open my Bible and read and pray and talk to God. You see, Christianity is not just lived Sunday to Sunday. Christianity is lived Sunday to Monday and Monday to Tuesday and Tuesday to Wednesday. And I want to be just as vitally connected to God on Monday than I am on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. How about you? And I'm telling you, the best way to prepare for a crisis is that you walk close with God today. Now, let's look and see where it gets interesting. Look in verse 14. And let me make this statement to you. You can depend on God in the storm. Can, can you say that with me? I can depend on God. Let's say it again. I can depend on God. I can rely on Him. I can trust in Him. Now, verse 14. They're no sooner out to sea than a gale force wind, this infamous nor'easter struck... They lost all control of the ship. Can I tell you, sooner or later in life, you will lose all control. Every one of us strive for what we can never get. Control is an illusion. People in America would make you believe somehow that you can insure yourself, that you can save enough money, that you can have the right alarm system, that you can take the right precautions of the place that you go and let your kids play and what park and what playground because all the equipment has been certified by so-and-so. Can I tell you, the illusion of control, my friend, is just that. And that's the picture that's painted here. They lost control and they realized it. The problem is when we live under the illusion, we think everything is okay. Now imagine this, if you're in Japan uh, and it's Thursday midday or in the afternoon, you're going about life as everything is normal. You had no idea that in the middle of the night, whatever time it came, a night about 9.0 on the Richter scale would destroy the island and then what was left, a tsunami would wash it away and then you wake up in the morning and say, my God, what has happened? That illusion of that peaceful place on the beach is an illusion of being in control. But sooner or later, friends, you will be out of control in life. Notice what it says now, verse 16. We managed to get a lifeboat ready. They were nearby some island, but rocky shoals prevented us from getting closer. We only managed to avoid the rocks by throwing out drift anchors. And now we're back on the high seas. What does this mean? Our best effort sometimes is not enough in the storm. These professional sailors knew when to drop the anchor. They thought they might could get off with a lifeboat, but their best efforts were not enough. And here's what I want to tell you. If you don't have a strong relationship with God, you will face something one day in life that your best effort can't solve for you. You may be the wealthiest person in Texarkana or in the world, but at some point you cannot buy enough quality uh, medical care to extend your life beyond the day of your death. I mean, at some point, uh, our best efforts are not enough. The next day on the high seas, badly damaged by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. Now, why was that? Because water's coming in this wooden ship. And they wanted the ship to be more buoyant. They wanted to float. Now they're realizing their whole life is, in, is, is, uh, is on the line. The things they were going to sell and make money, now they're throwing away. Verse 20, it had been many days since we'd seen either sun or stars. Now, you needed the sun and stars to navigate. You needed to know where to go. It's like on a clear night, a sailor could look in the air and have a sense of peace because now I know where I am. Well, my friend, this storm, as we'll read, lasted over 14 days. 14 days in this high water that is filling with destruction that's going to take my life. And, of course, as we read earlier, the wind and waves were battering us unmercifully. And we lost all hope of rescue. Now, I'll tell you, that's a pretty difficult place to be. But there's two groups of people on the ship. When Paul said we lost all hope of rescue, he was not hopeless. Now, stay with me. 
The pagans believed that if you died on the open seas, that your spirit, your soul, would just hover over the waters for all eternity. So if they died, they were scared to death. Here are these guys, you think of all the people that are not followers of Christ on that ship. Soldiers, uh, the captain perhaps, all the, uh, all the people that were there. They had nothing, friend. They couldn't take care of themselves. They couldn't even eat. They were said vomited so much because of the violence of the storm and the sea sickness. They had nothing. And now they have no hope. But Paul, my friend, he knew that if he would die, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And the last great threat the enemy has, the last high trump card, it's even, an, it's even a king, my friend, that Satan would play. It's about death, where he would try to make you believe that when it's over, that's why we fight death so much. Nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to live. If you take a person, you don't believe this, you take a drowning person underwater, and it can be one of the smallest people in this room today. If you're under 100 pounds, I want you to go stand up right now. Give me somebody under 100 pounds. Come on, stand up, Morgan. Stand up. Stand up on your chair. Come on, stand up. Everybody can see you. Come on. I'm trying to embarrass you. Come here. Now, I need a big guy. I'm talking about a big guy. Come on, somebody stand up. This little girl, if, that, if she was drowning and he was out in the water, she would just about do everything to pull that man underwater to save herself. She would scratch his eyeballs out. She would pull it. She would get him just like that around his neck, and he couldn't let go. I'm telling you, and they know. They teach lifeguards that if somebody's trying to drown them, they know how to punch you and get you off of them because they'll sink you under the water. Well, see, we all want to live. Every one of us have this desire for life that's within us. But listen, friends, it can slip from your fingers when the storm is strong enough. But I'm telling you this, Jesus is somebody you can hold on to in the storm. Jesus will never let go of you. You are not alone when you face a storm in life. And I want to tell you, you can depend on God. You said, the Lord will keep you. He will watch over you. He will care for you even in the midst of the most dangerous storm that might blow. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, know this, your God is a God you can depend on. Can you say that with me? My God is a God I can depend on. He is faithful. He will not let me go. I don't care if you're walking the, the streets of Japan today or if you're walking through a divorce or if you're walking through bankruptcy or if the doctor has just told you, listen, the doctor has said, you don't have many days to live. I talked to a friend of ours yesterday, Chester Harrington, and they said the doctor has told him he has bone cancer now. He's fought death for 11 years. And the comments were, I am still trusting God. I believe God will bring me a miracle. But if he doesn't bring me a miracle, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with him. Now, I'm telling you, if all you have is the professional, oh, doctor, please help me, please, please. Doctor, there's got to be something. I'll do anything. I'll eat grapefruit seeds and apple seeds, and I'll try any concoction under the sun to save my life. But for the Christian, we realize this life is temporary. And though the storms of life will destroy me here, I'm waking up one day in eternity. So there's something that the world cannot take away from you. Your God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. I want to tell you, your heavenly Father will be faithful to you. Your God will never turn his back on you. You are never alone in this world, friend. It may be difficult for you. You don't know how you may be able to make it, but I'm telling you, you can find God. You can walk with God. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 21. It is the presence of God 
that would enable you to endure any storm. Now, if you were to talk to me about the presence of God when I was a young boy, I grew up in church, grateful for that, but I had no relationship with God. If I were to say that you can experience the presence of God, I'd have, I'd have looked at you like, what? What does that mean? I just thought you went to church. No, I'm talking about you having a vital relationship with God 24-7. I'm talking about you being aware of God and His presence in your life. Look at verse 21. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Man, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Now listen to this now. He's a prisoner, and now everybody's listening. Take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. All they've been thinking about for days is we're going to die. They've been looking at each other, and they were saying, It's over. We're going to die. Maybe you can think of a movie where the characters looked at one another and says, We're about to crash. We're going to die. And that's all the thought has been there, the thought process. And then most of these people don't know God's promise of eternal life, so they're saying it's over for eternity. But here's a man that stands up in the crowd and says, we're not going to die. God just spoke to me. Now listen, the same God that spoke to Paul can speak to you. Take courage. How many know if the Bible says take courage, I can take it or leave it? And I can take it by faith and believe God or I can turn my back. None of you will lose your lives. The ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I serve and belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Now, here's something I do not understand about God. God is never early. Come on. Never late. But he's always right on time. If I would have been God, I would have said, if I was Paul, I would have said, God, why didn't you show up on day one? Or why didn't you stop the storm in the first place? This is where you get in trouble with your thinking. The bottom line is, I'm going to be a believer until. That I'm not going to turn my back and walk away. But this presence of God in the, for, in the person of an angel came to him. And the first thing the angel said was, don't be afraid. Fear is your worst enemy in a storm. Do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. You remember the promise that he's going to Rome? I'm telling you, there's something about a word from God that will sustain your life, that will give your direction, that will give you perspective that the world cannot take away. You get a word from God for your circumstances, and it'll guide you through the worst storms of life. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. A word from God. What's more, God in His goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage. I believe God. Can you say that with me? I believe God. Say it again. I believe God. Though my spouse has just said, I don't want to live with you anymore. I believe God. Though my CPA has told me you are bankrupt. I believe God. Though the doctor said you've got days to live. Now listen to this. You're not denying the doctor's report. You're not putting your head in the sand. You're simply looking at that report and seeing beyond it and saying, I believe God. The doctor's report doesn't have the final say. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I believe God. It's going to be just as he said, but we're going to be shipwrecked on an island. So here's the picture as you see it. Everybody's given up but Paul. And Paul somehow has maintained a communion with his Father in heaven, and God's Word is proven too. God's presence will calm the raging storm on the outside, but first it'll calm it on the inside. Let me say it again. Ultimately, God will calm the storm in the outside of your world, but first He's going to calm it inside of you. And the problem is most of us will find peace when the outside world gets straightened out again. 
But can I tell you, peace comes from the inside, and it comes first. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 28, 18, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, I don't see him. I see him through the eyes of faith. I have taken him at his holy word, and I believe it'll happen just as he said. Christians never face a crisis alone. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the... Of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. But why? Because you're with me. Think about it. The most common, uh, the, the psalm that's known by more people around this planet, I walk through the valley. You will not stop in the valley of the shadow of death, friend. You may die, but when you die here on this earth, it's not over. Life for you just begins. But you're going to go through the valley, and you're not going to fear because he is with you. Now, I'm telling you, I was raised in church. I didn't have a relationship with God like that. Mine started when I was 19 when I committed to follow Christ. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're more on the religious side rather than having a vital relationship with God. I didn't know that I had to be born again. I didn't know I needed to be saved. I didn't know I needed to repent from my sins as a boy. I just thought you went to church and were pretty good, and that was it. But I'm telling you, friends, there's something about that's more than heaven it's about a vital relationship with God right here on this earth. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. I'm going to wrap up with this, and then we're going to pray. Acts 27, verse 33. And this is perhaps the greatest context for this, this, this passage. It's my faith during the storm that can turn an unbeliever into a believer. Now, let me say it again. My faith in the storm, my example, can turn unbelievers into believers. Look at verse 33. Paul urged everyone to eat. Now, think about this. Paul is a prisoner. When he got on that ship, he was likely in some kind of shackles and chains. It was he and Luke and probably their companion, Aristarchus. And they're on this ship together, and he is a slave. And remember they ignored him when we first read the passage earlier today when it said they listened to the ship's captain, they listened to the owner, they took the pulse of the majority, and they said, we're going to stay alone. So they ignored Paul. But now the prisoner becomes the chaplain. He said, you've been so worried that you hadn't touched food for two weeks. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. And then he took some bread, and what did he do? He gave thanks to God before all of them. Now, it's still rocking and rolling on the outside. But here's a man who's saying, hey, look, it may rock out there, but you can have hope. You can have peace. It's going to be all right because I believe God and God has spoken to me. Now, I'm telling you, friends, everybody's looking when that's going on in your life. I talked to somebody in the last service who had gone through a painful divorce. And they said, all of my friends around me are, are wondering, how am I keeping my sanity? How am I staying strong? How am I making it? It's just because of God. People that wouldn't listen to him before are listening now. Because the storm revealed the reality of his depth in God. And I'm telling you, there is something in that, my friend, that storms give an opportunity for unbelievers, listen, to come to Christ in droves around you. Now, let me finish the story for you here, and then we're going to pray. Of course, it happened just like Paul said. They got near an island. It was the island of Malta. They could tell that it's getting shallower. And this boat into the sandbar falls apart. Everybody got off the ship. Even those who couldn't swim, they got on a board and they made it to land, just like Paul predicted, just like God said. But when they got there, and this is something pretty incredible, these natives on Malta, because they could have landed anywhere. 
I don't know. If you were to ask me, I would say, well, the devil was probably behind that storm, the evil. But God was behind where they landed. And they landed on this isle called Malta. Listen, they could have landed on an island where people could have killed them. But the Bible says these islanders showed them unusual kindness. Which is simply a way of saying, when you go through literally hell on earth, there's reward coming to you, friend. It may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, but God is going to bless you for your stand for Him. Well, then he gets on the island, and it's like the devil won't quit. They're making a fire. It's cold. It's raining. And this fire is burning, and a snake bites him. And it's a very poisonous snake. And these islanders, they're suspicious. They're superstitious. They're not believers. And they say, justice has deemed him to die. He must be guilty. Well, that was their understanding of God. Well, he just shakes the snake off in the fire. And then they started listening to him because he didn't die. I'm telling you, well, then you face a trial and a storm. When you come through it, people will listen. And then God anointed him, and he went, and he, through the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit, people began to get healed on the island. And guess what happened after that? Sooner or later, it became spring. Another ship stops by, and guess where that ship takes him? It takes him to Rome. Because the God who made a promise to you will keep his word. I'm telling you, God who makes a promise to you will always keep his word. And you can take that to the bank. I'm telling you, here's Paul. Paul seemed to just kind of attract this stuff. He's in Jerusalem. They want to kill him. God lets him get away. The storm tries to kill him. God gets him to safety. The snake tries to kill him. God lets him live because he is a man on a mission. And what God did for Paul, I want to tell you this, my friends, God will do for you. Come on, give him a big hand this morning. What God did for Paul, God will do for you. I want to ask you this question. What... What might the Holy Spirit be saying to you now? Would you think about that just a minute? What might the Holy Spirit be saying to you this morning? I'm a firm believer that anytime we open the Bible, I'm not just listening to the one who's talking, I'm listening to the voice within the voice. Anybody will say this morning, I'm hearing something from God today. Come on, let me see your hand this morning. I'm hearing something from God. I'm going to ask you this question. We're going to have prayer in just a minute about because I know many of you today are in a storm. But I want to first ask this question. Are you here today? If you had been on that ship, would have you have had faith in God for your salvation or would you have feared death? Now listen, there's no question more important than that. Do you have such a relationship with God knowing that if your ship went down that you would live in eternity? Have you received Christ as your Savior? Do you know Him as your Lord? Have you received forgiveness for your sins? I'm telling you, it's nothing more powerful. This church thing, it's not a joke. It's real. It tries to point people to that cross. Because Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Christ died on a cross deliberately to pay the penalty for your sin. So that when you die and when I die, we don't have to face the judgment of hell. That we can live for all eternity because Christ has forgiven my sins. Listen, the Bible says now is the day of salvation. You can't wait till you get to heaven on judgment day. Then it's too late. And if you're here this morning and you're listening to me and say, Pastor, I want to get right with God today. I want to be included in that prayer. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to boldly raise your hand. Let me know who you are and make a step away from where you have been into your relationship with Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to pray for God to forgive my sins. But listen, not just for fire insurance, but I want to become a follower of Christ. Today, I'm at a spiritual crossroads in my life. The way I've lived has not been working. I want to turn my heart to follow Jesus Christ. Now, whether you're here and this is the first time you've ever prayed like this, or maybe you walked with God and gotten away, doesn't matter. Today, you want to get right with God, and you want to do it before you leave this building. 
If that's you this morning and you need to get right with Christ today and you want our prayers, I want you to lift your hand real quickly. Come on real quickly. Do it now. Pray for me. I want to get right with God today. Anyone this morning? I want to put my trust in Christ. I want to be sure that when I face eternity, I won't face it alone. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of prayer, but I want to ask you this morning, are you in a storm? Are you in a personal storm right now that is blowing against your life? It's like that storm that was trying to destroy the ship. Well, here's the one thing I know, my friend. If you walk close with God, if you find the strength of God, you'll make it through this storm. And I'm telling you, if you're here today, we'd like to pray with you because the power of prayer can help sustain you. Many, many Christians have quit in the middle of their difficulty. I want to tell you today, don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't give up. If you're here this morning, whether it's your family, your finances, your health, whatever it may be, but it's trying to take your faith, it's trying to drown your faith, and you don't want it to happen. You want someone to pray for you, and you want the strength of God to come to your life. And you're in that storm. Won't you just lift your hand real quickly? Come on, let me see your hands. I'm in a storm right now. I need God to help me. Come on, many people that are This is not a shame. Listen, everybody needs prayer in life. I need God to help me. God bless you. Many people here. I need God to help me in the storm that I'm in. Maybe you're here today, and you know someone that's in a great storm. You have a friend, a loved one, someone you love and care about, and they are in that storm, and they need God's help. We want to pray for them. Let me see your hand. Say, I've got somebody today, and they need the help of God. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start to worship. Our prayer team is going to come forwards. And if you lifted your hand saying, I need prayer for myself or a friend, I want you to come and let us pray with you. If you needed to get right with God, you come too. Come on, stand to your feet now, and our prayer team is coming. Let's just begin to sing. I want the church just to begin to worship with them. You come. If you lifted your hands for prayer, I want you to come and let us pray for you today. Let us believe God with you. Just take another couple minutes before you go home, and let's activate the power of prayer now. Come on, let us pray for you this morning. Let's believe God. Let's touch heaven together this morning. That that storm will not drown you. That those waves will not overwhelm you. That your ship will not sink. But God will help you stand strong. Come on, you come this morning. We're believing God for the strength of God to come to you. We believe in God today that your faith is going to help you win. Come on, church. Let's begin to sing with them.